Hi, I'm Madhuni Krishnan, editor of Airline Weekly, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. This podcast is the audio from our weekly live streaming interview series, which we air every Monday at noon Eastern at forum.skiff.com. Join us for the weekly live stream. We'll take your questions live on air. And if, of course, if you prefer audio, we'll always be podcasting the Airline Weekly Lounge at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge live live stream. I'm your host, Madhuni Christian, the editor of Airline Weekly. And I'm joined today by Cameron Sperrance, who's Skiff's, our sister publication, Skiff's Hospitality Reporter. Good morning, Cameron. Hey, Madhu. How's it going? Thanks for, thanks for joining us today. So Cameron, I mean, it's, it's, we're now in the final stretch, the final month of this most bizarre of years. And I wanted to bring you onto this podcast because, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about the airline industry, obviously, this being the Airline Weekly Lounge <laughs> podcast. Um, but it's, you know, it, it, we can sort of function in a vacuum, like P- airlines are part of a larger travel industry. And it's not just the, I mean, the airline industry has been very visible as, as sort of like the, the taking the brunt, at least in the media's imagination of, of this pandemic. Um, but that's, but it's affected everyone. So I just wanted to get a sense from you about what's going on with the hotel industry and what you could tell us about the cruise industry, which is a whole different kettle of fish. But let's start with hotels. I mean, where where are hotels now sort of in the last month of the year? And let me preface this for people who who are tuning in like and uh, may not have missed Cameron's earlier appearance on the lounge um sort of in the late summer where he gave us an update. So I want to see where we are now in the last month. Cameron. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um I, I wish I could take credit for this line of and, and I feel bad that I, I, I don't remember who said it, but it's kind of like the line that made me laugh and is kind of unfortunately true is there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but there's kind of a freight train like heading at you at <laughs> time. And I, I think that rings true for the hotel industry. I mean, we're coming off, when we last spoke, we were kind of leisure travel uh, peak season and um labor day ended up being kind of just the cherry on top it was the best week um a lot of hotels saw all year since the pandemic um you know there were marked for completely booking out hotels and resort areas beaches uh, national parks etc um right now we have just you know less outdoor dining um people heading back inside because of the colder months and that's causing all these back up and um you know, I, I was talking to the head of the American Hotel and Lodging Association last week, and he just said a lot of our members just recognize that between now and April is going to be the toughest point. So, um, you know, there are kind of also caveats to that. A lot of hotel companies are saying they still expect to see moderate growth each month through this, but it's just, it, it's really hard to pinpoint. People are, throughout all of this, um, are booking two days out when normally in the past they would book a couple of weeks out. So um, it's really just hard to plan. And when you see cases where they are right now, you can't help but feel like this is going to be a tough couple of months for the hotel industry. But at the same time, we're getting great news on the vaccines. And uh, there's this expectation that, I mean, you know, 
people were saying by May we could see some semblance of normal life again. And if so, that there's no reason to think that hotels wouldn't be a huge benefit. <laughs> One thing you and I talked about the last time you were on was uh, some of the, you know, there's in the in the complete absence and collapse of business travel, some of the um, sort of business hotel brands that were pivoting to to cater to leisure travel. And that was mm-hmm. also I mean, that was in the late summer when when there was a lot of hope and there and there was a lot more leisure travel than there is now. Uh, is that still something that's happening? Are you seeing business hotel brands pivot a little bit or or is everyone just hunkering down for what they expect to be an ugly winter yeah i mean I, I, leisure travel is still um the source of growth here uh or most i don't even know if you can call it growth but just business <laughs> um at the moment and so that's where you have um marriott focusing on kind of staycation packages through their bonvoy program you have, you know, a, a lot of the hotel programs that are kind of catering to this work from hotel concept. They're pairing yeah. with packages. Also involve bringing the whole family with you, staying for a couple of days, and you know, some are even including childcare with that, etc. Um, so it, it's every, all roads lead back to leisure. I, I think for the next year at least. Huh. Um, and where where are you sort of? Uh... Are there parts of the country or parts, I, well, you cover the world, right? Are there, are there, are there places, let's start with the U.S. Are there places in the U.S. where you're seeing demand um, uh, stronger than in other parts? Into Thanksgiving, national parks and beaches were all mm-hmm. doing really well. Um, um Moab, Utah, like places by like Arches National Park, those yeah. are all seeing anywhere between like fifty percent and eighty percent occupancy. Wow, yeah. um, which is wild to think about, especially at the time when the CDC is telling people. Yeah. Um, once again, these leisure markets are all doing the best. Um, that's interesting, you know. and that's something we've seen mirrored in the airline industry, where you know um, airports like Salt Lake and um, oh, I think we might have lost Cameron. Cameron, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, your your video went out, but uh, oh. your audio sounds like. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I <laughs> I can't see you, but I can hear. Um, uh, twenty twenty. This is uh, this is just something we have to roll with now. Um, but yeah, that's something we're seeing mirrored in the airline industry, especially in the late summer and and to a degree now. Um, you know the uh, the Denver and Salt Lake City airports we're seeing a lot of tra- lot more traffic than other airports because uh, that a lot of airports in traditional tourism meccas like New York or San Francisco or LA just because people wanted to get to national parks and beaches or national parks and mountains, um, and that's only. Um, that's only uh, going to rise as ski season kicks off in earnest. Now, Madhu, is that reflecting themselves? Because I know we've seen um, some of the more leisure-oriented hotel companies post, the, with the exception being Marriott, but uh, leisure-focused uh, hotel companies were performing the best on third-quarter earnings. So, I mean, are, are your leisure-oriented airlines doing better than the legacies? Absolutely. And, you know, Southwest has said... Uh, they have pivoted towards, uh, as they put it, uh, sun, sun and ski, right? They're 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 focusing their network on uh, beach locations. Uh, Florida's always, no matter what may be going on with COVID, Florida's always a pop, 
has become a popular spot for airlines and then the mountain mountain destinations. And, you know, there, there's also a joke going around the airline industry that every airline has become like Southwest. When you think of a United or, or Delta, the, these airlines before the pandemic were really targeting their, um, the high yield premium business tra traveler and their networks were optimized to take people, you know, from San Francisco to Beijing or from San Francisco to New York. And, um, uh, and now you're seeing these airlines pivot towards leisure travel, uh, especially beach and, beach and ski destinations. So uh, I don't know how permanent it'll be, but at least for the, the next few months where all airlines are gonna be like Southwest. <laughs> yeah, even here in Boston, we uh, were never used to getting point to point flights from United. And I, I noticed they added a few Florida routes for the winter, which was, which was exciting for sure. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that. That's really unusual. Now, in interest of disclosure, some of our listeners may know this. I used to work for United, and one of one of our uh, what what thing you know we always used to say and put in talking points was that uh, are all the spokes in in the United system connect to a hub? And I was really shocked to see that uh, United was doing point to point flights from Boston to to leisure destinations. But it's a new time, right? It's a it's a year like any, unlike any other. Yeah. Um, all right, Cam. I want to talk. Uh, I want to. I want to shift gears a little bit, uh, or shift. Uh, shift. I guess modes of transportation a little bit, and talk about the cruise industry because that is uh, that is something that early in the pandemic was uh, was remarkable and has continued to stay remarkable. Can you? What's going on with the cruise industry now? Yeah, I, I don't have the um, the same light at the end of the tunnel freight train analogy for cruises <laughs> like I do hotels. But uh, you know, it, it's the cruise industry is interesting because it's kind of the one with the baddest rep, I think, uh, in, in travel through all of this. I think yeah. at the very beginning, um, even before most U.S. states went into some for, form of lockdown, I mean, you had these ships where people were just viewing them as massive super spreaders on, that floated um, and, yeah. and you know, people were going to quarantine and it's just like, it, it's, and, and, you know, unlike the airline industry and to a lesser extent hotels, um, Washington hasn't really um, had the appetite to help out the cruise industry apart from just these strict no sale orders. Um, yeah. What you're seeing now is uh you know, the, the no sale orders are being lifted, but that still doesn't mean we're going to be able to hop, go down to Fort Lauderdale um, and hop on a cruise ship anytime soon. Because there's now this going to be a lot of time devoted to coming up with, you know, unseen, unprecedented, really like testing regimens and just operating procedures for these massive ships that, you know, I, I don't think any other travel sector has. Yeah. Well, what's interesting to me, it with you know, I know a lot of the no sale orders have been lifted, and cruise. The, I've, uh, I've, you know, reading your coverage and and coverage elsewhere about uh, uh, all the the strict protocols cruise companies are putting in place to try and ensure reassure the public that cruising is safe. Mm -hmm. uh, despite all of that, I have to wonder: is there demand? I mean, is does anyone does anyone want to jump on a ship right now? And and an enclosed environment like a ship and where you're yeah. eating at buffets and going to, um, you know, I guess shuffleboards outside. And I don't even know, <laughs> know if they play shuffleboard anymore, but uh, you know, you're, you're, you're surrounded by 4,000 other people like in a very, in a closed environment. Is there really demand for that right now? 
there is. I mean, Carnival's Italian subsidiary, I believe, a couple of weeks ago had their first um, sailing. And I mean, it was a pretty um, robust uh, passenger load. Unfortunately, that ended up with coronavirus. Oh, so um, kind of back to the drawing board, there's demand. I mean, I about the launch of new ships and even though these companies aren't planning on until 2021, um, they're saying they see a lot of advanced bookings um, for that. It's just, I, I think there's a devoted following for these things. It's great. It's just, um, I, I think when you return to cruises, it's not going to look anywhere like it used to be. I mean, the buffets, I, I think kind of like any resort destiny, resort like a Club Med, I mean, it's going to be grab and go. It's going to be mm -hmm. prepacked. Um, just because, as we've seen in the past, um, either on a cruise, days tend to be where um, things things go awry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it road before um, these ships are going to be back in full force. I mean, the CDC in the U.S. is expecting them uh, companies to go on like passenger list rides to prove like this is how you would handle it in in the current travel climate. Wow. Well, I guess uh, there is, you know, there there's pent up demand for travel, regardless of the media or the the mode that people travel, whether it's airlines or cruises. But that that one, uh, I mean, that is that is surprising to me. I mean, given all that we've read and all that we've seen with cruises in the last, you know, eight to nine months, um, it's <clears throat> it's interesting to me that there there's still strong demand for for this uh, this mode of transportation or this mode of travel. Um, but, um, anyway, I want to go back to hotels quickly. I mean, what, what, one thing we, we didn't talk about, I mean, we're, we, we sort of touched on the U S and demand where, where else in the world are you seeing demand? I mean, is, is demand, uh, I mean, you okay. From the airline industry point of view, you know, Australia, domestic Australia, domestic China, dom a lot, um, domestic Russia of all places is mm -hmm. really strong. Um, is that correlating with hotel demand as well or people yeah, traveling to see family and staying in family places? Definitely China leads, leads the world. Um, mm. I mean, it was on track to be back to 29, you know, wow. any day now, um, for their golden week national holiday. I, I believe that happened after, um, we last spoke on here. Um, yeah. 19 levels and um the last piece of the puzzle really was they get back to 2019 revenue levels and most companies say next year so it's i mean that it, it's it's a very impressive um rebound i think if there is a story of a v-shaped recovery for the hotel industry it belongs in china um wow. you know believe it or not you just despite the rise in case count and kind of the sense that it's pretty uncontrolled here um, the U.S. is second, simply because as different as the two countries can be, they have very similar deep um, domestic travel bases, and that's going to really put mm -hmm. these countries on pretty decent footing um, to to get back to you know the way things are than a place like Europe or South America or Australia that relies much he more heavily on um, national <coughs> tourists coming in. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. Um, and with the U S I mean the, and so after you and I spoke last, the airline industry, um, 
furloughed up about 30,000 mm -hmm. people on October 1st when the CARES Act funding expired. Um, what is what is the um, what's the sort of furlough situation been with hotels and is the hotel industry as active as the airline industry in lobbying for an extension or, or, or CARES 2.0? Yeah, I mean, hotels, um, they operate differently than airlines mm -hmm. where, you know, if you get on a United plane that isn't a regional jet, you know, you know that is a United staffed plane. Uh, the hotel industry is very similar to kind of the regional airline operators where sure something may have a title on the building, but it is actually owned by a separate company that just pays Marriott the licensing fees. So really the, the layoffs we've seen in the hotel industry have all, like when you hear Marriott laid off like 17% um, employees, that was at their corporate headquarters in Bethesda, Maryland. Um, Interesting. The, and they are very expensive come from these, you know, independent operators um, of these hotels, which is why the hotel industry has been able to tap into um, the PPP program, which is for small businesses, because they really are small businesses, despite the, the global yeah. title on, uh, on a lot of these brands. Um, but that's a long way of saying there are massive hotel labor unions, and they have like... I, want to say at some point it was like 98% of this union with hundreds of on some form of furlough or layoff. Wow. Um, but uh, to the second part of my question, is the hotel industry uh, lobby and, and this, the franchisees or the small businesses that, are, that operate these hotels, have they been active in lobbying for a second uh, stimulus package? But it's um, they're continuing to lobby. I mean, Every day, if not every hour, based on what I what I get in my <laughs> inbox, um, it's just it it it's, has a very different look than what the airline industry is expected to get. The airline industry, each company, um, you know, in the billions of dollars range from the government, it goes towards targeted industry relief. Uh, hotels are kind of lumped in with a lot of other businesses businesses and so that they they have a little bit more of a you know not as big of expectations i i think as the airline industry but i i know they're kind of resting it on things like a second tap at this small business uh, program because there's something like 130 billion used from the first go round um and, and the other one that i think would help airlines is liability protection um they want a federal bill that says you would not um hotel owners someone you know says they contracted coronavirus which i think is key to restarting corporate travel as well yeah and that, that is a sticking point on the hill yeah. as well i mean yeah. uh, it's it's kind of a pitched battle between um the progressive wing of the democratic party and, and republicans and the, what do you think so, if you don't the tables on you to ask i mean yeah. what um what is the general sense of how you know, is, is something going to get passed by the end of the year or, or what? Hmm. That is a good question. And what I, if, that's a very good question. Uh, as you can imagine, um, <laughs> Congress has been recessed and it's coming back, I believe today. Um, as you can imagine, they've kind of had their, they've kind of been distracted by a few things. Mm -hmm. um, so what I've heard is that there's, it could go, 
two ways. I mean, one, one is that uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican of Kentucky, may not be interested in passing a stimulus now as sort of a gift to an incoming Democratic uh, administration. That's one thing I've heard. The other thing I've heard from my source on the Hill is that Republicans um, could be interested in a small package of about $500 billion, smaller than the $2.2 trillion mm-hmm. Heroes Act that that the House passed earlier this year. Um, but Democrats are pretty dug in that that's too small because it doesn't include um, funds for state and local governments. Um, so, and, it, and the Republicans are, are very... Um, uh, big on the the liability protections. So uh, that's a very long-winded way of saying, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I I really don't know. I, could, I think the next week or two will tell us which way sort of the, the winds are blowing. Um, but personally, as a former congressional reporter, I, I'm really, I'd be really surprised if anything happened in the lame, lame duck session, yeah. um, anything meaningful. Uh, so I, I think we'll, we're all holding our breath till what, January 2nd or 3rd when the new Congress is seated. Yeah, that's kind of the general sense I, I know in hotels is if anything, maybe there's a double where there's something small that, you know, can be a little bit of a life raft until you have a new administration, new Congress and go from there. Yeah. All right, Cameron, I, I want to thank you for joining us again this today. And I want to have you on very soon as this, this crazy year, crazy, crazy year turns into a crazy new year. <laughs> um, Absolutely. But, Happy to be here. But, <laughs> um, once again, uh, thank you all for listening. This uh, a video replay of this will be uh, available later th- today on airlineweekly.com. While you're there, check us out. We just published a new issue, including a, um, an interview with Stephen Barhazi of Air Lease Corp. Uh, the audio podcast will be available later this week on Spotify, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I want to apologize to everyone for some of the technical difficulties we had today, but in my, uh, in our defense, it is 2020, and uh, this is just another new normal that we have to get used to. But uh, thank you for joining us on the Airline Weekly Lounge Live, and I will talk to you next week.